Hey, I'm Dr. Laura Berman, a sex and relationship therapist. And for the past three decades, I've been helping people learn how to love and be loved better. That's what we're doing here on The Language of Love, where I get to answer calls and emails from people just like you. My goal with The Language of Love is to help you discover more meaningful emotional and physical intimacy and to help you build more awareness of how precious and sacred your sexuality really is. Be sure to email me or reach out with your very own love, sex, relationship questions, and I might just answer them live on the air. It's time we all become fluent in the language of love. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited about our guest for this episode of The Language of Love, Dr. Shafali. I've talked about her work many times with you, especially through the years when you've asked questions about parenting and relationships with your children, or I've shared some of the struggles with my own. She's a blend of a clinical psychologist and Eastern mindfulness expert. And so it really allows her to create a beautiful approach to a lot of the issues that we talk about on this show, love, relationships, parenting, learning, as the purpose of this show is to speak that language of love with more fluency and which always starts with loving ourselves. So Dr. Shafali's newest book is called A Radical Awakening, and it's already had huge success climbing the charts. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Shafali. I'm so excited to talk to you. I am too. I'm a big fan. I'm so happy to be here. And um, I like the three, I wouldn't even call them subtitles, but you know, these three key terms under the title of your book, Radical Awakening, or turn your pain into power, embrace your inner truth, and live free. And Lord knows we all freaking want those three things, right? But but what's really powerful about this book is that I know at least a lot I book I love most that you've written so far is conscious parenting. Really about it takes a whole new approach to emotional and personal awareness as your key to really being a good parent, parenting your children with results that we as parents most desire, right? And a lot of the ways that we go about parenting are often informed by our old wounds rather than really being conscious. That's my summary of of your book. But Radical Awakening Tell me just what that term means. I know what it means, and I feel like the whole world is waking up right now. But to you, what does radical awakening mean? Well, I wrote this book specifically for the woman's soul, because I feel for centuries now, we women have been asleep and haven't been given the wide permission to truly step into our power. We're beginning to but we're receiving a heavy pushback. And this book really helps women understand why they don't step into their power in their daily micro lives and how culture on a macro level pushes back and how to dismantle that pushback and how to successfully go through the barricades in a way that is empowering, liberating, loving, connected, and uh, truly sovereign in its energy. Yeah, not angry and aggressive, but really in integrity with yourself and in your power, which is the key. Yes, so it's not an angry book. It's also not an easy read in terms of just being simply entertaining or motivational. It really 
invites women to understand their co-creation in their own suffering. Yeah. And we don't unconscious like unconscious co-creation <laughs> usually. <laughs> right, yes. an unconscious co-creation. So this is about making that unconscious co-creation mm-hmm. very conscious and taking ownership for all the times we have been mentally degraded, mentally sub, uh, subdued and realizing that it's because we didn't know how to step up, how to yeah. speak up, how to have boundaries. Yeah. So now this book is not blaming men or women but it's really illuminating the dynamics uh, of power and violence really that have existed between yeah those in power and those not i read something or or listened to you somewhere talking about how most of our institutions in our society you know not only with women but with men too were built in a way to repress our own spirits right? That the education system, the institution of marriage, can you speak a little to that? Because I think obviously it's, we're talking about awake, you know, women awakening, but I think also looking at the way that as a society, we repress our sovereign nature, especially women's is important. Absolutely. So this title of radical awakening speaks to awakening to the awareness that this cultural matrix that we have been indoctrinated in is mostly based on principles of fear, suppression, denial, inauthenticity, especially for people of color, women, children, and then the earth itself. So the radical awakening comes about when those who have been at the receiving end of subjugation now say no more. And we begin to heal our brothers, heal our children, and heal the planet. The woman has so much power to do that. So these institutions really came into being in the last 10,000 years since the turn of the agricultural revolution, where we left our interdependence on the earth Mm -hmm. and our understanding of our reverence for nature into this very dogmatic, linear, masculine oriented ownership, possession, and control of the land, and then women and children. So marriage as an institution was for the ownership and possession of the the chattel, the women, and the land, and the children that came along. And now it's become so ingrained within the judicial system and the religious institution that now it's almost a woman is seen as blasphemous for not wanting to be married. Something is wrong with her for not wanting to have children. And these are the institutionalized ways we stay suppressed. You know, our biological nature is to have the capacity to bear children, but we don't have the mandate to bear children. And marriage doesn't even exist anywhere and didn't exist in time until the last modern era. So we have presumed morality and therefore now think of certain things as good and certain things as bad. So every institution has dominated our psyches in a very toxically masculine way, starting from birth. You know, take the religious institution. It's extremely hierarchical. It's mostly patriarchal. And it hasn't been so kind to its women and children. Uh, Take the education system. It's extremely toxically masculine. It's rigidly linear. It's based on competition. Exactly. Don't move. Exactly. And then so we have the religious system, the educational system, the whole institution around beauty. We women have been 
subjugated. I mean, there is not a woman on earth who hasn't been cursed and plagued by trying to achieve a perfectionistic standard of beauty. And we are now our greatest internal objective. And we do it to each other. Ugh, don't even get me started on that. But yeah. We do it to each other. And every time we put ourselves or our sisters down with shame, we actually give our power even more yes. to the toxic patriarchy. Yes. We're like telling men, yeah, go ahead. because Stomp we are- on us because we'll stomp on each other. Exactly. But we're doing it to ourselves. Yes. When we look in the mirror, we objectify ourselves. The men yes. are not paying attention to the fact behind our earlobe. Yeah. We are. <laughs> <laughs> so That's then we so the beauties. Then what about the aging industry? Who is plaguing us in our bathrooms if not for ourselves, because we've been sold this idea that we need to be flawlessly youthful for the rest of our lives. That is a lie. Then take the whole institution of wealth and success. We have been all plagued by the idea that money brings us worth. And we all know it doesn't, but we keep subscribing to it. And we keep telling our children to subscribe to it. Then the parenting industry. I mean, there is no greater complex industrial complex than the parenting industrial complex. You know, and parents are plagued by this idea that we have to keep our children happy and we have to make them successful. So parents drive themselves and their children crazy because we're trying to fulfill them. Yes. But we are really trying to fulfill ourselves. And then the institution of divorce. You know, God forbid we get a divorce. Now we are the home wreckers. We are failures. Uh, We have such severe taboos against us for crossing that line. Right. What about the institution of monogamy? If we dare to even consider sexuality, even in our minds outside of the marriage, we feel castigated and vilified. So every single way, I mean, just in terms of our sexuality, forget monogamy or non-monogamy. You know, and I know so many women who have never even explored their vulva or their vagina. They don't even know where their clitoris is, a lot of them, which always surprises me. Right. So they are so divorced. We are so divorced from our yeah. sexuality that, again, we genuflect to the patriarchy because we've been raised with the belief that only our marital heterosexual male partner has ownership over our body. Right. And can bring us pleasure, that there's something wrong right. with us if we can bring it to ourselves. Right. Right. So in all these ways, these institutions have infected our mind. And then we wonder why we're depressed and can't sleep without medication. Yeah. And I was reading your book and you talk about, uh, we won't get too much into the story because I want to get into the meat of the teachings, but you talk about how sort of, this is also your journey. This started with your journey of radical awakening when you woke up having suddenly almost hit a tree, you know, in the middle, like you almost had a fatal accident because you were so boxed in, overstressed, overworked, like so many people, you know, we, some people call it a midlife crisis. Some people call it an awakening. The whole world has been going through a crisis, you know, with COVID that I think is, is, has been priming us for this book and for the idea of awakening. Cause we've all been in that dark night of the soul. And I've always spoken a lot about this and how transformative it can be when you go through these tragedies, trials, wake up calls, you know, I call them AFGEs, another fucking growth experience. But I love how you, the term you used, soul erosion, right? This idea of soul erosion, which I know you were just speaking to in terms of all the institutions slowly 
erode our aliveness and our spirit. But can you talk a little bit about from your perspective personally, like, or as you translate it into the book about the way that soul erosion ultimately leads to a big kahuna of an AFGE? It doesn't have to if you radically awaken, but if you don't, it often does. I just want to take a little segue here and talk about an important issue that I find really affects women's lives and the people who love them. And it's something not talked about nearly enough. Millions of women, so many of them, struggle with chronic UTIs, urinary tract infections. And it can happen due to all sorts of reasons, menopause, pregnancy, other hormonal changes, other factors, but it can drastically and negatively impact your interest in sex as well as your enjoyment. And, you know, the most common prescriptions doctors will give you to avoid them is peeing after sex and lots of cranberry juice, which can help, but certainly often is not enough. And Eucora, this company I've discovered, has a UTI relief products that will help you address the UTI symptoms until you're able to go see a doctor. But they also have a proactive urinary tract um, health supplement line that helps you maintain a healthy urinary tract and avoid those infections. So get proactive about your urinary tract health with Eucora. And right now, Eucora is offering 20% off when you go to eucora.com slash love. But hurry, because it's a limited time offer. Go to eucora.com slash love to get 20% off your order. That's U-Q-O-R-A dot com slash love. Oh, I love how you put that. I love it. Uh, so in my own life, you know, just like with all our lives, we and myself grow up with archetypes mm-hmm. on how to be a woman. And in my life, having grown up in a very rigidly patriarchal culture in India, I took it upon myself to live up to the standard of a woman who was the ultimate people pleaser and the ultimate nice girl and the good girl. And I took that to the extreme, you know, by being a super achiever, by trying to be the best mother, the best wife. And I had a young daughter and I was in a PhD program and I was burning out and I was falling apart, but I wasn't allowing myself the space and the the freedom to be ordinary and It's because of that infection within us to strive to be this perfect person because we believe that if we are, we will get crumbs of love and worth that we keep going. And then something, you know, really very, you know, natural happens, which is our body breaks down or we almost have an accident like I did or we drop the baby, you know, so to speak, in some way or the other. And that's the potential wake up call. And many of us don't take it. And then we have to have another one. But that was the beginning of my realization. And I call it soul erosion, because I I had not only veered my car off the path, but my entire soul's journey was, was falling apart and way askew in my hunger to achieve something, because I was so empty on the inside. And I realized that I was enslaving myself to an ideal and as long as I was tethered to that I would keep having a soul erosion so that was my wake-up call and then it took another five six years to really 
go through the process. This is not a reactive one moment, yeah. everything changes. You begin to unlayer, you begin to unfold, and you go through a whole cycle of awakenings, and then you complete the cycle and you come out on the other end. But I think it's important to say, and it, and this is one of, and believe me, I, you know, have been through this. <laughs> so I know exactly what you're talking about. And I also think we go through it in multiple layers and ways throughout our lives. We're always growing and awakening. I kind of feel like that's why we're here, to wake back up to who we really are. But I also think it's important to say, and I've certainly found this to be true in my life, and I think you have too, that when you wake up and you start erecting those healthy boundaries and you start claiming your sovereign power in a beautiful, divinely feminine way, you know, not in the masculine way that most of us were modeled to take our power and claim our power, and you and you start saying no, and you start letting go of those ideals that everybody else subscribes to, very often there's backlash. More, Pretty much guaranteed there's going to be backlash from the systems in which you've been operating thus far. And that could come in the form of work, bosses, but often, since this is a show about love, in the form of relationships. And I know you are now divorced. That was sort of, I don't know if it's a direct result, but that evolved because you kind of changed the terms. You you got married a certain level of consciousness and then you woke up and started erecting all these boundaries and empowerment and saying no and weren't subscribing to the same values anymore. Is that what ultimately led to the... I mean, it's, it's, it's very complex, but yes, when yes. we radically awaken and begin erecting new layers of uh, values to our consciousness, the old systems do protest yeah. and they do rebel. And it's not their fault. No. We understand that this is going to happen because we got everybody in the old system very addicted to how we were. And that's what and they bought into. Yes, that's who they married, right? Yeah. For example, so, uh, in throughout my book, you'll never hear me say anything negative about my ex-partner because it's not anything to do with them they were under contract with a certain shefali or a certain stacy or a certain mary or whatever and then when that person changes either the system can expand to hold it or the system will have to dissolve yeah but but both require a death of the old yeah so it it's not a failure if the system decides or chooses to dissolve yeah and in my divorce i began to see how ossified this idea was that we need to stay together at all costs. I and what a, what a punitive message that is for women, especially because you feel extremely stigmatized. Yes. And, and I'm trying to come out with it in a beautiful way to say that there's liberation, whether you stay together yes. because you must expand yes. or if you dissolve and you reconfigure and reemerge yes. and complete that cycle. Both are empowering. But the, the point of their commonality is that both require a death. Yes, but, sadly, but sadly, in our fear to change the status quo, we prefer to stay stagnant and don't yes. go through that death, either in the expansion or in the dissolution. And culture has made women especially extremely scared yes. to change the rules of the game. Well, I think that's why the AFG has to happen. And it doesn't have to happen. But I think the reason it does 
is because for every single one of us, the way it usually goes is that the the pain of being in the situation, whatever that situation is, we're, we're too scared to break free of, has to be greater than our fear of leaving that situation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And it all, you always have to get to that tipping point. And what I think your book, you know, The Radical Awakening offers is like, look, you don't have to get to the tipping point. You can do this without the entire house burning down around you, metaphorically or literally. But for many of us, that's what it's going to take for us to finally face our fears. And I think it's really important to say, as you talk about the death, you know, there's the death of the old either way. Like in my, in my life, I went through a couple of AFGEs, even one recently, which I can't even characterize, bigger than an AFG with losing my son. And as my husband and I were talking not long after that, he and he's grown with me, you know, every step of the way as I push his limits. And this time he was like, you know, we're going to be okay. We're going to this isn't going to break us up. We're going to stay together, you know, and and we're going to support each other. And I said, yes, but you have to know that who I'm going to be coming out of this is not going to be the same. I already know that. Like, I'm not going to be the same person on the other side of this as I am right now. So as long as you know that, you know, we're cool. And he's been he's been coming along like but it it is scary to make those changes because it often leads to relationships ending. But what I think is important to say is that even when those relationships end, you're so in integrity with yourself and you're so aligned with your spirit that life is so much more delicious, even though you're facing a loss of a marriage or a relationship or a friendship or whatever that is. Wouldn't you say? I always say, oh, absolutely. I echo that. And I always say that the prize that you get at the end of this journey of your authentic liberation is worth the price of almost anything that was keeping you inauthentic. So that becomes the goal, is your truth, is your stepping into your worth. And you then stop caring about what other people will think because you begin to see through the illusion of that. Yes. Before, in your old self, we were betrothed to the opinions of culture because we were not into our worth. So the opinions and values of others was predominantly in our psyche more than our own sense of connection to yeah, ourselves. Which is so crazy, but, but true. But as we evolve and step into our own inner authentic power, the the power we give to others dissolves. Yeah. And and so we are no longer afraid because now there is absolutely no option but to be who it is we've evolved to become. Yes, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and it is unbelievably liberating and freeing and it's coming home to yourself, really. And nothing is more important to that. And people always say, how do you build self-worth? This is how. 
you know, because it's really hard when you awaken and you really integrate that and do the healing and releasing and claiming that you describe in your book. When you do that, it's impossible not to love yourself because you're aligned with your God self, with your true self, with your soul. And that's freaking gorgeous, you know, so you you can't not love yourself in that state. Yeah. Yes, 100%. So in this book, I take women on a journey. The first part is called Asleep in the Matrix to show us all the ways we have uh, been infected by the drugs of our culture that we now need to be detoxified from. So if you're not aware, how will you even know? So the first step is becoming aware that we've been asleep. And then in the second part, I take us down our typical archetypes And women can begin to identify, you know, I call them the givers, the takers, the controllers, and I have subtypes and you can begin to see your patterns and you can begin to realize, wow, I've been really just living the same pattern (laughs) of unworthiness and begging for love in all these different ways. And then part three is about stepping into our female power through our sexuality. Part four Part four is about uh, breaking the lies around these institutions. And part five is truly entering our sovereign, sacred, boundaried, authentic self. Beautiful. And uh, we are definitely doing another podcast down the road once this whole crazy book tour for you is finished, specifically about sex. And the I, I'm here. <laughs> I, that I'm really excited about also. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Was there anything, I'm sure a lot did, but was there anything that really surprised you that you weren't expecting? I'm sure as you as you started this journey of your own awakening and you came to realize, as you said, that first phase of awareness, a lot of it you maybe unconsciously know and looked at, you know, just as a therapist and as a very educated woman, and you looked at it and thought, oh yeah, like now I'm putting all these pieces together. But was there anything that really surprised you? Several things that were revelations to me, and I found them both powerful uh, and potentially debilitating. So the powerful revelations to me was, wow, when you do step into your worth, all those fears that you had really do dissolve. Like, it's the truth. Yeah. And I was shocked at my own inner power. I was surprised. I didn't expect how when you have your own back, when you trust your own knowing, the, the forest does clear. It doesn't happen magically because you have to earn that self-worth. But once you are in self-worth, it kind of shines the way forward. So that was the liberating revelation. That's such a good the point. The potentially debilitating one was how people push back uh, about, <laughs> yeah. about my divorce and how people were personally affected <laughs> and how I needed to really step up for them. I was taking care of many others and teach them that there is so much beauty 
in completing chapters in our lives and yes. releasing when things are not serving our highest good. It's not and a failure no, always. It's never a failure, yeah. Laura. What is a failure? No, but I right? mean, like, let's say that someone is, yes, it's the, the ending of the marriage is not a failure, but it doesn't mean that the marriage was bad. Like, for instance, you leave an abusive marriage, right? That's still not a failure. To uh, That's a success to leave that abusive marriage. But that wasn't, I think it's almost harder when to the rest of the world, this should be something you can tolerate. Breaking up your, it's not so bad. This is a nice guy or this is a good provider or how could you break up your family when it's not like the guy's beating you or emotionally abusing you or an addict or something, but like you can't, he or she or whoever you're with can't hold your, your, integrity and the way that you now need to move in the world. And that I think is even harder to help people understand. Yes. And actually it's not our job. Like I realized that I was having a hard time (laughs) explaining to people that this person, when I I was with for 25 years, we grew up together. There was so much love. It doesn't, it falls to deaf ears because we live in a dualistic society that it's either good or bad. You're together or you're not. There's nothing really in between because of how we've been conditioned. So growth is really underestimated for the preference for stability or longevity. Yes. So, so if you're not together, that's it. It's a wash. Like all 25 years was a waste. Yeah. And it, it's su- such a primitive, immature way of looking at life. It's almost as if, uh, you know, you, you have a mental breakdown at 35. So therefore your entire life to 35 is a waste. Yeah. It's very myopic. Yes. It's, it's not deep. And the reason why people prefer to hold on to such boxes is because it allows them to be okay yes. with their own stagnation. Yes. And, you to, know? and to feel less fear about it, you know, having to face their own fears. Sure. Correct. I'm not an 80-20 person. You know, I don't want to be okay with 80-20. Yeah. I, I'm not going to settle for 80-20 yeah. in my life. So, you know, there's so many marriages that suffer through or compromise through. And because that's the image we've been given to kind of suffer through it, to yeah. death do us part. Yes. yes. And for me, that means the death of the old self. If the old self is no longer here, and there is no space for the new self, then it's okay to transition to a new environment. Yes. But it is looked upon with such horror. And uh, it's been now my mission to help reframe that so yeah, that other women and our daughters are not afraid. I agree. I think that's so important. I want to talk to you for a minute, just, and we're talking about love and relationships. I talk about this all the time on the show. What is sort of healthy or conscious love? I saw you somewhere recently talking about the difference between attachment and love. Can you say it in your words? Yes. So I always say that none of us really, most of us really do not love unconditionally. Most of us love very unconsciously and conditionally. And our love is heavily medicated with possession, ownership, and control. That's why we have a marital contract. That's why the the person you love, you suddenly can hate because they broke the conditions of a contract. Just by that, we have taken this free emotion of love, which should be ever evolving, 
and we've put it in a prescription bottle and we've called it marriage. So um, true love, according to me, is something that very few of us even can challenge ourselves to achieve. Yeah. Most of us love the other because they make us feel lovable, desirable, right. and needed, and, and we can need them and we can depend on them. So most relationships are enmeshed in a, a very dependent, codependent kind of way uh, where we are attached to safety, to the image, to the idea, and to the fantasy. And it's only when we break through our own inner codependencies and evolve into a full and integrated human being that we can even hope to talk about true love. All the rest is attachment. Yeah, I always say that, and I think this is true for us just on a soul level, since if we're thinking metaphysically and on a, and on a soul level, we're all just making this all up, right? This experience of life for our own soul's growth. But I often say that when we're having a deep relationship with someone else, what we're really doing is having our relationship with ourselves through that other person. And and so the more awake you are, the more in integrity you are with your own soul, the more sovereign and in your own pure power and integrity, then the greater your experience of love can be. You know, and I can tell you that's true as a recovering codependent. And I say, you know, because I think it's a it's like any addiction. It's a lifelong recovery. But it's powerful when you start to really understand because what we fall in love with and what we often stay in love with, if we can, is the way we feel and the way that we see ourselves through our partner's eyes. And so then our whole experience of love is dependent on how that person shows up, which by very its very nature makes it conditional. 100%. It's because many of us, quote unquote, fall in love, which is really fall into ego and need and dependency because we have not recovered from our childhoods. Yeah. So we now simply create surrogate emotional experiences that are repetitions of the childhood emotional experiences. We are looking for mommy and daddy. I call most first relationships and second and third <laughs> really just two twin beggars looking for surrogacy. Yeah. And what happens then is we enmesh in those early relationships and we never really actually grow up. And for those who then choose to go on a spiritual quest and grow up, this is why the old system destabilizes. Yeah. Because when you stop needing the other for what you needed them all this time and you render the other person useless, it, it shakes up the whole system. Yeah. It dissolves the entire structure, which is actually the best thing to happen to the structure. But, but the structure we, uh, we doesn't decide, like that. <laughs> nobody likes that because we're not talking about growth. You see, yeah. marriage as an institution or most relationships are based on the longevity model of success, yeah. not the growth and the honesty model of and success. And that should be the model. I agree with you. That's yeah. a successful relationship when you're both growing, you know, the other just being extra icing or sprinkles on your already delicious cake. And I hate that about completing each other like Jerry Maguire. Um, and I think that's an old and skewed definition. It's an old and skewed patriarchal definition, yes. which keeps people mired in this romantic fantasy that their missing other part is outside. Right. So you never have to do the work on yourself. You just keep looking for the other and then you're disappointed in the other and then you medicate yourself even more. Yes. So the greatest 
appreciation uh, in relationships comes about when there has been a spurring of each other's growth. Yes. I'm so grateful to my first relationship through this 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 marriage, my first marriage. Uh, I don't have any other marriages, but just this one <laughs> uh, because because it spurred so much growth. How can I not be grateful for that? I would rather that than a stagnant relationship which never dissolves, but I never grow. That is uh, feels it's artificially safe and ultimately miserable existence. Yes. And, yes. and your true safety really does come through awakening. And I feel like it's just, I'm sure you do too, which is part of the reason that your book is probably doing so well, that we are in a collective consciousness of extreme awakening right now with COVID and everything happening in the world. Like the world is in a big old whopper of an AFGE. But in terms of women and and this journey, I know you have a, a web course, you have the book Radical Awakening. You can learn more. I'll give you her website when, as we finish. But this is obviously a very personal journey to every individual. And on some level, we're all facing it alone with our connection to what, our soul, right? And building that connection. I know you agree that doing this in a community of sisters is so powerful. So I'm wondering if you can say a few words about how we can support other soul sisters during their awakening. Yeah, we have to first take a real severe and harsh, brutal look at how we pull sisters down and how we judge each other instead of showing up for each other. You know, someone asked me, how can we pull sisters up? And I said, in your own life, in, on a daily basis, just for 10 minutes a day, try to pull another sister up. Yeah. Tell them you babysit their children for 25 minutes while they go to the grocery store. Tell them that you will cook them a meal. Reach out and say, you know, I really love that you showed up for school drop-off in your pajamas. I wish I was brave enough to do that. You know, encourage our, each other to show up as we are rather than creating division and competition because that's how we give our power away. Right. So I, I'm a great uh, supporter of women. I have a sisterhood, a community that people can join. It's called Luminous. I really believe that this is a huge missing piece in our nuclear family systems today where we're isolated from each other and we're competing with each other to keep the men in our lives, which is just the most stupid thing in the world to do. Yes, so stupid and so unhelpful and unnecessary. I feel the tide having shifted and really turning where people are ready for this and and ready to step into the journey. So um, if you want to learn more, Dr. Shafali, will you give us your website so they can find all your courses yes. and, and so, groups and everything? Thank you. So on Instagram, I think it's Dr. Spelled Out with the name Shafali. And uh, Facebook, it's just Dr. Shafali. And my website is drshafali.com. Okay. And that's S-H-E-F-A-L-I, like it sounds. Yeah, so you can just type up conscious parenting or a radical awakening and grab the book and begin the journey. I'm so happy to have been here with you, Laura. Thank you so much. Uh, it was such a joy for me too. Process of awakening is, I think, a, a lifelong process. But once you really get through this first part of it, that's when life gets really juicy. And then it just I continues agree. to get juicier. <laughs> I, agree. I agree. We're going to stay in touch. And I want to have you back to talk about awakened sexuality, or as I call quantum sex. And I wish you the best 
success as you continue to build your radically awakened life and support all of us in that process. I'm very grateful to you. Thank Thank you you so so much much for joining us. I thank you all for for being with us and we will see you next evening. Language of love. I'll see you then. Thank you.